Opinionated Marketers, a podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Hello and welcome to Opinionated Marketers with Charles Nixon and me, Kieran Kapoor. Charles, we've talked before about shrinkflation, um, usually as, as a bad thing, you know, um, the amount of money that you spend on something gives you less and less of the products, hence shrinkflation. Um, but I think you've seen an article in the FT that talks about a more positive side of it. Well, I was reading an article. Um, it wasn't necessarily expounding on the positive side of things. It was uh, talking about um, the fact that uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, uh, there are products that are going through this process of shrinkflation. And from my perspective, it um, brought about the thought of, well, well, what are the alternatives and whether or not actually shrinkflation might not be a bad thing in its own right, um, dependent on the product and one's own, obviously, uh, personal views about necessarily the healthiness of the product. Um, shrinkflation has often been applied in most instances when um, being reported to things which are fast-moving consumer goods, quite often things like confectionery. Um, and uh, because of uh, the round of inflation that we've now gone through and the need to cut and uh, hone costs, many corporations are taking different views as the way in which they actually continue to serve their customers. This took me back to a lot of the discussion we had in the previous recession about the way in which corporations hollow out brands by presenting the same brand name, but taking away more and more of the ingredients um, in order to maintain uh, either their margins um, or their market share. Um, and the question that this raised in my mind is whether or not it's actually better to have a smaller portion of a good quality brand um, or a larger or existing portion of a bad quality brand. And um, I reflected that it probably was actually better for the former. Um, and in many instances, given the fact that some of this perhaps was food, which one could therefore perhaps be reducing the intake of, was not a bad thing in its own right. I think it's better for the brand, isn't it? It's rather than risk diluting your brand values, and what people expect from you. I mean, we know there's plenty of case studies of brands deciding they're going to change what they do and the consumers having an absolute hue and cry about it um, from Coke changing its formula onwards. I mean, there's yep. been plenty of, there's plenty of case studies about this and you probably use them in teaching as much as I do. Um, so it's, it seems, it always seems to me to be an odd thing for a brand to do to almost try and trick the consumer that it's still the same quality and the same amount. We've, we just, it, you, you can't do both for a lower price. There has to be a point where you say to the consumer, actually, in order to have the quality and to keep the price point, you're going to get less. Or I'm going mm. to drop the quality to keep the price point and give you the same amount. But you surely have to be open with the consumer about what you're doing rather than just doing it and sort of keeping your fingers crossed and hoping the consumer doesn't notice. I think that's very, very important, the communication side of things. And certainly it, it may well be difficult for restaurants um, to uh, maintain the quality and reduce the portion size, but communicating the reason for it um, will gain the sympathy, I think, of the uh, customer and possibly um, uh, retain the loyalty on the basis that they know fully well that um, uh, the reasons behind it. Um, I think historically speaking, we always used to uh, be concerned that the consumer was not very well educated in terms of understanding business. I think that's not the case anymore. 
And I think uh, given that most people understand the basis of marketing uh, and the basis of running a business, most people are sympathetic to the needs and uh, um, problems that have to be overcome by uh, brands. And, and therefore, they should be uh, well informed um, and not, um, well, choose what word you wish. I think it, it is a question of just being honest with your consumer. And actually, it's the the gaming generation um, tend to really get this because so many games involve you either running something or um, – I, I seem to remember you used to play – um, years ago, you used to play a game where you were um, taking over – it was a historically-based game. But you took over a town or something, and then you would, you would be dealing with the food and the inputs and the outputs, and it was just – it, you know, consumers get this because they're they're viewing it in lots of other ways. So, being Absolutely. honest, there's a very interesting um, FT comment on this, which came in. Um, it's actually um, it's uh, a, an international FT, um, and it it talked about again that consumers um, consumers can um, decide the quantity and the quality of what they're buying if you allow them to do so. So it points out that at the turn of the previous century, it was not unusual if consumers couldn't afford a whole bar of soap or laundry soap, as it would have been because they would have been sold in bigger units. Um, shops could just take it and, and chop up as much as the consumer wanted. It's how delicatessens have worked for generations. Um, mm -hmm. We've taken that away by going to the prepackaged pre-organized um, stuff that sets how much the consumer is going to buy for a certain quantity. Um, yeah. I don't know if that means we're, we're looking at a revolution in the way that we buy things. Probably not. But it is something else that marketers need to consider, that actually varying the amount of quantity that you're giving somebody is a perfectly reasonable strategy. The question of revolution is an interesting one. I, I certainly think that there is a move towards this. There are um, uh, packaging revolution stores uh, up and down the country where you go and buy the products in their raw form and take your own packaging with you. Um, and it's been applied across Europe in, in many instances as well. And, and you're absolutely right. It is the pre-packaging which made life very, very convenient for the last 40 to 50 years, um, which we've all got hooked on. Um, yet now we often look at the situation where we we buy a product uh, we take it home we consume it in one go and um, the considerable amount of packaging that came with it mm. now has to go straight into recycling um, mm -hmm. it does make one question this this whole process so the idea of um, choosing the amount that you wish to purchase I think will come back um, you know, you don't have to go and buy five oranges because that happens to be the way in which it's packaged in the supermarket. You can choose your own three. Um, and uh, a lot of that was applied because we were under significant time pressures in the old ways in which we worked uh, on a nine to, well, eight till six or whatever it happened to be regime with commuting in between. Now we have less time pressures, um, though uh, they may be spread over a longer period. Um, and therefore, Therefore, there is more time to uh, consider the nature of uh, purchase um, and how one purchases. Um, so I, I think there are elements of shrinkflation and the packaging um, discussion um, that will come back to marketers over the next few years, which need to be thought about in more detail than they have been. Yes, and it, you can see the same is going to come into the B2B market. The idea of bundling products um, has been 
you know, quite standardized that you, you bundle the, the service and the product and everything else all pulled together. But actually, as companies struggle, sometimes you want to be able to select elements of the, of the bundle. Um, and I do find companies can make that quite difficult because it's more convenient for them to sell the bundle. Um, so I wonder mm -hmm. if that is also, because we're talking very much in consumer market, but I can see this this changing the B2B market as well. Yes, um, that's a very interesting point and perhaps a discussion for later, the degree to which the B2B marketplace may start to reflect the uh, consumer marketplace and vice versa, as more and more people work from home and make decisions about business from their domestic environment. Lovely to talk to you as ever, Charles. Thank you very much, Kieran. Like and subscribe to this feed for more podcast content from Cambridge Marketing College.